Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our loving Father. You take delight in us as we delight in you. Your word tells us that you knew us before you spoke the world into being. There's things about you that we cannot comprehend. But also there's that love that you've poured out upon us. Unconditional love. And you've given us the opportunity to come back into your kingdom. To come back into a loving, living relationship with you. Thank you, Father, for that. Forgive us for the times we just take it for granted. Forgive us for the times when we do our own thing and not your thing. Thank you, Father, that our sins are forgiven, already done, dealt with. because of what Jesus did on the cross, in the tomb, and in the resurrection. Thank you. Open our hearts to receive from you now. And just use me, Holy Spirit, to bring your word to us. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Last week, Andy spoke about the parable of the great feast in which a man prepares a great feast and then sends out his servants to tell his guests who had already been invited to come to his house as the feast is now ready. But none of them come. They all make excuses. The man then tells his servants to go out into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame to come and enjoy the feast. And they come in and enjoy the feast. These past two months, God has been speaking to us about going out and inviting people to come to the feast that Jesus has prepared for them. That is why we did the training time with Bob and Yvonne. It is why we went prayer walking the streets of Pearly the last Saturday of last month. And why we went out giving away goodie bags and invitations to the people of Pearly on the Sunday before last. God has commissioned us to go into all the world and make disciples of all peoples. That is the great commission that Jesus has given to us. But why do we do it? That's the important question to ask and answer. Now the simple answer is because Jesus has commanded and commissioned us to do it. We find this command and commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. In Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 to 20. Jesus is with his disciples just before his ascension into heaven. He says that Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of of the age. Isn't that a lovely promise? And behold, I am with you to the end 
of the age. Do we ever think about that? Say, God is with us always. It's wonderful. That's the command and the commission that we've been given. But there's a more compelling reason. And that's found a few chapters earlier in Matthew's Gospel, in a portion of Scripture that has become known as the Great Commandment. And this is what I want to talk about today and also next Sunday. Just to put the Scripture we're about to read into context, Jesus had told the parable of the wedding feast, a very similar parable to the parable of the great feast that Andy spoke about last, last week. The invited guests made excuses and did not show up to the wedding feast. So the servants went out into the streets to invite people in. They went and gathered the people who hadn't been invited, but were there. They were willing to come and enjoy the wedding feast. The Pharisees asked Jesus about paying taxes to Caesar. Now, should we pay taxes? And he said, whose head is on the, on, on the coin? They said, Caesar's. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. He said, do it. Then the Sadducees asked about the resurrection and the marriage after death. You familiar, might be familiar with the story of the man who was married to his wife and didn't have any children. So when he died, his next brother had to marry her and try and produce heirs for him. He died, no children, and so it goes on like that. And they ask about the resurrection and marriage after death, even though they didn't believe there would be resurrections. They didn't believe in the resurrection, the Sadducees. And Jesus corrects their theology about the resurrections and life after death. These two religious factions, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, normally didn't get on with one another. But they team up and keep on challenging Jesus with various religious questions. And Jesus answers them in ways that mean they cannot bring any charges against him. Because that's really what they were looking for, a way to bring charges against Jesus. That's why they were asking these questions. They didn't really want to know the answers. They wanted to know whether Jesus was going to say something that they could use against him. So let's read this portion of Scripture in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to, to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. A wonderful, simple answer that he gives to them. Now today I'm going to be speaking about the first part of the answer Jesus gives them, looking at the great commandment. Next week we'll look at the second part, the second commandment. So in this portion of scripture we see Jesus being challenged by the Pharisees once more, trying to trip him up, trying to get him to say something that, about the law that would able, enable them to bring charges against him, to try and keep him quiet, to shut him up. John the Baptist had been arrested, put in prison, beheaded. He was dealt with. He was also a bit of a stirrer, and they dealt with him. And Jesus was stirring things, talking about a kingdom that they didn't understand or know about. 
And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were very threatened by Jesus, and they're trying to bring him down. Jesus knows this, and his reply is a quote from Scripture, one that all the Jews of the day would have known by heart, but because it is the beginning of the, the Shema, or Shema. The Shema prayer is one of the most famous Jewish prayers. It was a twice daily prayer for ancient Israelites and is still recited by the religious Jewish people today. It is prayed every morning and every evening. It's made up of three portions of Scripture. The first part is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now Jesus didn't quote the first part of the Shema, because when he said what he said, he knew that the Pharisees knew what, what he was referring to, the Shema. He knew that. The prayer gets its name from the first word of the scripture, Shema, which is translated into English as hear. Listen, hear. Tim Mackey of the Bible Project, I don't know if any of you have ever watched any of his videos that they do, the Bible Project stuff. If you haven't, get online on YouTube and look for the for the things, the Bible Project. They do wonderful descriptions um, of um, books of the Bible, and it's all drawn out, and it runs through the whole story. They're brilliant. They're brilliant. And he's an amazing, amazing man. He, he loves the scriptures, and he's, he studies Hebrew and Greek, and he's, he's well um, versed in all of this, and he's a great guy to listen to on this. So Tim Mackey of the Bible Project says this about the Shema. The opening line, here, O Israel, does not simply mean to let sound waves into your ears. Here the word Shema means to allow the words to sink in, provide understanding, and generate a response. It's about action. In Hebrew, hearing and doing are the same thing. It's wonderful. Hearing and doing are the same thing. Jesus, by quoting the Shema, is saying to them, Are you listening to me? Not just hearing my words, but are you going to put into practice what I tell you now? Will you do what I tell you to do? It's what Jesus is saying to us in this passage as well. The great commandment is very clear. It is to love God. To love God is not just something we say, it is also something we do. And this love is not a passive love, it's an active love. In English, the word love can mean a number of different things. I can say I love so many things, but the kind of love that I have for each of them is different. I love Jill. She's my wife, for those who don't know. I love our children. I love my grandmother's tripe and onions. Unfortunately, she's no longer with us to make it, but they were the best tripe and onions I ever had. I love them. I know it's not everybody's taste, but my grandmother made the best tripe and onions. It was lovely. I love this church. I love rugby. Even when the Springboks lose, I still love it. I loved playing it, and I love watching it. I love a flake chocolate. 
I think they're my favorite chocolate. They're the best. And Roald Dahl, well, I think he was also, he, he liked the flake chocolate. He said that that was the best around. And he said history should be determined by when chocolates were made, not by other uh, dates and happenings. When a chocolate was made, that's what should be important in history. That was Roald Dahl. I love animals, mostly. Definitely dogs more than cats. I'm not going to tell you my cat story till we'll have a cadenza. Yeah. <laughs> I love a well-made cappuccino. It was something I had to get used to here when, when we came to the UK. When I ordered my first cappuccino, I got this cup there, and it was warm. It wasn't hot. And I said, this is, this is warm. It's, I, need, I want a hot cappuccino. I said, oh, then you've got to specify. You've got to ask for extra hot because they don't want to maybe burn somebody. You know, somebody's ordered a hot drink, and then when they get it, it's hot, and they're surprised. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me, but I do love a well-made cappuccino. And every now and again, I'll go into a place and find someone who will serve you a hot cappuccino without actually having to ask for an extra hot. And I love those. Now, I could list so many things that I would say that I love, but I'm not going to carry on. <clears throat> As you can see, there are many things that I love. And the love I have for Jill is different from the love that I have for any of the other things I love. Even the love for my children is different from my love for Jill. But in English, we have one word to express all these types of love. In Hebrew, there are a number of words that we translate as love in English. So to help us better understand the word love, I'm quoting Tim Mackey once more. He says this, what we translate into English as love here is the Hebrew word ahava. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Ahava is not about the warm, fuzzy, emotional energy we feel when we like someone. Much like listening, biblical love is about action. You ahava someone when you act in loyalty and faithfulness. For Israel, loving means faithful obedience to the terms of their covenant relationship with Yahweh. They are to love God with all of their beings. Their knowledge, their existence, everything that they are is to love God with action, obedience, and covenant faithfulness. Love is an action. To love God is to be obedient to God, to do the things that He tells us to do, not to gain favor with Him, not out of obligation to Him, not out of guilt or pressure, but purely because we love Him and the best way to express that love is to be obedient to him and do what he asks us or tells us to do. We come into this world as sinners, and there's nothing we can do to change that. Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and because of that, sin came into the world. And we're all born as sinners. But that is not how God intended it to be. From the beginning, he loved us. And he created us to love him. But he gave us a free will. And Adam and Eve used their free will to disobey God, thus blemishing all mankind with sin and removing us from a living relationship with God and living in his presence eternally. The result of this is we live separated from God and not loving as we should. Today, being Remembrance Sunday happens because we are fallen human beings who live rejecting the will and ways of God and choosing to go our own way, resulting in wars and conflicts that have devastated lives and countries. 
and days to remember those who have given their lives in these wars and conflicts over the past century thus come about. The great war was to be the war to end all wars. But less than a generation later, the world was plunged into war once more. And there have been wars happening ever since. Mankind has fallen and lost and gone astray. Walking away from God all the time. Living in disobedience to God and rejecting his commands. Just like Adam and Eve. We live in a fallen world. But God. I'll say it again. But God. Thank goodness for these but God moments. When things seem impossible or overwhelming or hopeless, that is when these but God moments happen. But God had a plan. A plan that would cost him and not us. God demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus, his son, to earth to come and live among us and demonstrate the love that God has for us by walking with us, teaching us, equipping us, training us, and more than all of this, by giving his sinless, spotless, unblemished life for our sin-stained lives, dying with his arms stretched wide on the cross, being buried, but then resurrected. A but God moment, his resurrection, so that we could once more come into a living relationship with our loving Heavenly Father, the God of all creation. We have a choice to accept or to reject the free gift that God has made available to us. We have to choose to love him. It takes a decision on our part to love him. Love is a choice. It's an act of our will. It is something we do that's not a feeling. Jesus demonstrated what it means to love with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And all he does in this portion of scripture is ask us to do the same. He asks us to do what he did. To love with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Can we do that? That's what we're going to talk about next week. How and who are we to love? Let's pray before we put up the discussion questions. Father, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. Not to condemn us, but to set us free. That Jesus came into the world to be a sacrifice. The Lamb of God. Given. Sacrifice so that we could come once more into this living relationship with you. And thank you, Father, for that. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Before I get on to the question, if there's anyone here or anyone watching this on, on YouTube or later on in the recording, if you don't have a living relationship with our Father God, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity now to surrender your life to him, to invite him into your life as your Lord and Savior. If there's anyone here, just put a hand up and say, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, 
but I want to. And we'll come and pray with you and help you do that. So if there's anyone who needs it, if there's anyone watching online, just get in touch with us, email us, and we'll help you with this. Email address is office at gracevineyard.co.uk. If there's anyone here in the hall that needs to do this, now's the opportunity. Don't miss it. Okay. Discussion questions. Let's have a look at them. Our favorite one. What stood out for you in this message? Secondly, what are the things that you love in your life? Where does God sit on that list? And thirdly, what have you heard God saying to you lately? How are you responding to what he has said? And then fourthly, pray for one another.